The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. It's a pain-free Friday for all the beds, coast to coast in the biggest way possible. Hanging out, the bad seed, the broken, the bad apple, with the bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad attitude, bad taste, bad luck, bad dude, bad breath, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are live in the Pharrella Palace, right across the river and through the woods from where Granny likes to pick up her purple Kush before dinner in New York City. The Big Apple. She likes shots of JMO too. You gotta love it. People dressed in plastic bags, Brendan Chavez, some kind of fashion shake. Those should do it. All my friends that come around, thoughts of flats of party up. Rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess is town's dead. My brains are splattered all over Manhattan. Should do be shake out Hey, what's gigging? I'm Pharrell, along with Carver High and Mafia Joe Ranieri running it from South FLA with all of that gorgeous hunk. <laughs> On uh, this show, we're going to light it up like you read about, per usual. Mike Vaccaro will join us from the New York Post momentarily. Uh, we'll talk to him about uh, his great column today about uh, baseball basically would never recover if they don't play this summer. I mean, they got to figure this out or they'll never be the same. So we'll get into that with Mike and everything else uh, going on in New York. Great columnist. We'll have him on in a few minutes. Looking forward to that. NBA setting July 31st, allegedly, as the target start date to resume operations fully and play games. Four different restart proposals were discussed today. 16 teams going directly to the playoffs. 20 teams in the group stage. You know, play uh, World Cup-style type games, and then 22 teams with games to determine seeding, play in tournament for the final seeds, 30 teams to finish a 72-game regular season with a play-in tournament. 75% of the NBA GMs prefer a play-in tournament over the World Cup-style. NBA to make sure Zion and the Pelicans are involved in the restart playoff. I just don't understand that. What is that about? We're gonna. What are they gonna fix it? They're gonna you know, set it up for it's Zion TV now. I mean, aren't we done having our bowel movement with LeBron James for twenty years? 
Now we're going to start doing Zion TV, and we're going to have make sure Zion's in the playoffs no matter what, under every circumstance possible. Whatever we do, we got to get Zion on TV. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, how about earn it? Uh, you didn't earn it. You got your ass beat. Oh, he didn't play the whole season. Cry me a river. <laughs> Zion wasn't around for the first three months because he hurt his knee. Oh, whatever. Wussy ass. NBA returning uh, is about a projected $2.6 billion in TV money. That's what it's about. They could care less about COVID, about games, competition, rivalries, playoffs. All they want is that TV money. That's what it's about. This is about capitalism, okay? Uh, the Nets are behind the legs of the most NBA Finals bets amid the Durant injury speculation. Rip Hamilton claims Jordan had a guy traded from the Wizards because the guy lit him up in a pickup game. And we're talking about Laurent Profit. What a name. What if your name was Profit? I could do things with that. I really could. We got the fan question today. Plus, we'll talk baseball like crazy. Minor leaguers getting cut left and right, getting screwed over. David Price giving cash to minor leaguers. I love that. Uh, Doc Holliday, the show is about his addiction and mental health struggles. We'll get into that. Hopkins, uh, the receiver, now playing in Arizona. By the time I get to racially profiled, Arizona says he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. We'll get into to the second phase of reopenings at team facilities. Uh, welcome in our radio side on SB Nation and Sports Byline, all of our affiliates, coast to coast, top to bottom, east to west. Good to have you with us on a paid free Friday on Coast to Coast. Uh, Melvin Gordon on playing with no fans in um, Lipstick City when he was there. Quote, we didn't have fans anyway, end quote. <laughs> that is awesome. 13,000 fans at the Superdome is being considered for game. Steelers talking with their season ticket holders, of which I am one, about, hey, if you don't feel safe at the games, we'll let you push it to next year. I like the way they're thinking. I still want to go to the games this year, though. Screw next year. I might not even be around next year. I want to go to the games in front of me. Uh, the Raiders Stadium, Allegiant, uh, the construction site, 15 active cases of corona there. Let's open up Las Vegas. Only half the city has corona. No problem. Let's go gamble. <laughs> Let's go hang out at the stadium and see how that development's coming out there at the stadium with all the guys sneezing and coughing on you. Uh, LaFleur says Jordan Love is the best player available when the pa uh, Packers made that trade or uh, that draft pick. Uh, everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers. It never ends. Josh Allen works out in Florida with Stephon Diggs. They're getting their rhythm down. We'll get into uh, ranking how committed every NFL team is to their starting quarterback. Power rankings, according to the Chicago Sun-Times, already in the NFL. We'll get into everything else, including some Bob Kraft news and college football news. USC quarterback JT Daniels transferred to Georgia. We're going to talk about SEC win projections. Michigan, Jim Harbaugh thinks that they're a national title contender. He can't beat Ohio State, though. Good luck with that, Coach. Kirby talks about his defense. And then we're going to talk about life after Burrow for all the top schools that have lost quarterbacks. Who's in charge now behind center? We'll get into NHL training camps. Now they're pushing it to July 10th. we got odds and betting trends to win the Stanley Cup. Vegas' AHL team is going to be called the Silver Knights, the Henderson Silver Knights. We'll get into John Jones, UFC Fight Night tomorrow night. 
a big fight. A mafia is all jacked up for that. He's got his picks for you. We'll talk about everything else. Roger Federer, the richest athlete in the world right now. FA Cup, that's soccer to you, mister. We got the dates in the quarters. Uh, we got California betting bill, the Lance doc. Uh, fans want more docs, like Ali, Babe Ruth, please. We got uh, crazy police blotter deaths, etc. in this day in sports. All today on a pain-free Friday on Coast to Coast. You're either with us or you're soft. Grab a beer. Let's go. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We're going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, throwing you back on uh, coast to coast. Uh, listen, uh, fair enough. I'm going to get uh, Mike Vaccaro in here momentarily. But as far as uh, the Zion Williamson thing goes, uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, I like watching him dunk like everybody else. I like watching him play like everybody else. Uh, I like his game, and I think it's really exciting for uh, the city of New Orleans, for sure, to have a player like that of that magnitude uh, be a franchise you know, changer for sure. I mean, the guy's going to be an incredible piece down there for a long time. And it is a remarkable thing for everyone in the city and, and the people that work with the Pelicans. Good for you. Congratulations. You got him. I see the euphoria and everything else. But, you know, hearing about how he has to be in the playoffs, no matter what, uh, we got to get this guy in the play. Like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. I mean, you know, did anybody else have to sit out because they were injured? Did anybody else miss the entire season because they had catastrophic injuries? Did Kevin Durant, I mean, did guys miss giant chunks? Steph Curry, uh, you know, Clay Thompson, Does it, it goes on and on. I can talk about it endlessly, and I could go on and on about guys that have missed time and everything else. Are, are, we, are we letting all those teams into the playoffs? Are they going to let the Warriors in the playoffs because Clay Thompson and Curry missed the whole season? No. Are they doing anything special for anybody that missed time? No. But we're going to make sure he gets in the playoffs? For what? 
For all the Duke graduates, I, I don't understand. It, don't cry me a river because the guy was out for three months, four months. I don't care. Whatever. They made a nice run when he came back, and they did nothing. They, they didn't earn it. They weren't in. I, I'm sick of handing things to people. If you don't earn it, it's the same thing, I got to tell you, as the NHL. Uh, you know, 16 teams go and dance for Lord Stanley's Cup every year. Now they're letting the whole league in. I mean, they left out like six peasants, uh, whatever it is, six or seven out of it. But the bottom line is they let everybody else in. They might as well let your grandmother in, too. Let her play. It's unbelievable. Do we have Mike? All right. So, uh, Carver, how do you think I'm wrong about that? I don't think you're wrong. And you know how badly they want to get this guy in the mix. He is their, their, you know, their golden goose right now. He's the young guy in the league. The ratings were absolutely off the charts when he came back from injury and pain. They want this guy in. And I'm telling you, Scotty, they are going to do whatever they have to do to get him in. It doesn't matter what it is. I did, but it makes no sense to me. Uh, that is just, it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, what are they doing? Favors for Zion Williamson? Have we not already heard? Like, honestly, I can't take this. Uh, have we not already gone through the phase of uh, his family allegedly getting money for him to go to Duke? Did we not? Did we not go through that phase? Like, it's funny. He gets money to go play at Duke, his family, and it, it's like blowing your nose. No one even cares about it. Anybody else gets money, they get crucified. Look at the kid at Memphis, Wiseman. What happened to him? I'm surprised they didn't put him in federal prison. But anything Zion Williamson does is okay. You know why? Because he's going to make everybody boatloads of money and Nike and everybody else. Whoever he's in bed with, he's going to make fortunes. That's why they let him do whatever he wants. That's why his family gets paid to him uh, going to Duke and nobody says anything because they just, it'd be the same thing for Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Zion Williams. Uh, the special treatment. It's unbelievable. All right, uh, we got Mike Vaccaro with us now, uh, joining us. Great column today. I got to tell you, uh, Mike, I had to get you on the show. It's good to see you. It's been a minute. I know uh, we haven't hooked up in a long time, but I'm glad you're doing well. Mike, what is the? what do you got now in that bag of yours? How many years in New York uh, as a great columnist? I mean, you're an institution around here. Uh, here we go. Uh, so anyway, uh, can somebody get me a drink? Uh, what do you think, Carver? Uh, can you make me a drink? What do you think? It's about time we start drinking. <laughs> I mean, honest to, honest to God. You know, go ahead. Let Zion play. I don't even care anymore. Let him play. Give him money. Pay his mom. Pay his dad. Give his little sisters and brothers money. Let the Pelicans in. You know what? They should let the Pelicans in and let every other team get out. Just let Zion. How about this, Carver High? The Pelicans just won the NBA championship, the COVID championship. <laughs> I mean, honesty, honesty. Make me a drink. I'm going to start drinking again. Give me a Jameson right now. Well, it is it is Friday. It's almost Miller time. You know, it's we're almost you know it's almost time. We're there. You got another uh, hour and forty five minutes to go. Forget that hour and forty five minutes, okay? Forget about all that, honestly. So uh, July 31st, can you wait that long, Carver High, for basketball? When I saw July 31st, my birthday and your birthday, 28th and 29th, you're the 28th, I'm the 29th, and then two days later they're going to play baseball. You and I are going to get older before they play NBA basketball. Can you believe that? 
Um, I'm, I, you know, it kind of seems like it lines up with the same timeline now as the NHL, because when you look at the NHL now, they are not going to have camps until July 10th. So you figure two or three weeks, it's going to be like the last week of July, first week of August. Scotty, when are they going to finish this season? Uh, you know, October 1st is usually when they start NBA camp. I guess that's when we're going to be crowning an NBA champion. Uh, it's going to be some September around here for all these uh all these sports get going and all these championships are going to be mid to late September at this rate, huh? I mean, it really is unbelievable. Now, you saw that they had all these uh, proposals discussed today in their in their big meetings. Are we going to try again with Mike Vicaro? All right, Mike, uh, I was saying before, uh, and we've had some technical issues, I said that you're an institution around here. How many years you got in the bag writing in New York now? I mean, you're like a rock star around here. All right, I, I'm going to kill myself, okay? How about, how about cancel the whole thing? How's that for an idea? Hey, there's an idea. Cancel it. There you go. Game over. Game, set, and match. You like that idea, Carver High? I, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, for me, at this point, get me the drink, and I, I'm done with this. Uh, I'm done with all this other stuff. Four different proposals today. 16 teams going directly to the playoffs. I like that proposal. And then 20 teams with a group stage play, World Cup style. 22 uh, teams with games to determine seeding, uh, play-in tournament for the final seeds. That's what everyone else seems to like, the play-in style. And then uh, which one do you like? You know, I think that they're probably at the end of the day going to go with the one with the 22 teams, something similar to what the NHL has done. You hear the GMs want to go straight to the 16. You go to the Zion fact like you just talked about. They want to find a way to get the Pelicans and those other couple of teams still in the mix. I heard that Jordan was very outspoken on the call today that, you know, he doesn't think it's necessary to bring back the teams that aren't going to be in the mix. Uh, so that idea with the 30 teams and getting to 72 regular season games, it just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. So for me, either 16 or 22, they're not going to play the World Cup style, and I don't think they're going to play the 31 either. 30 teams to finish a 72-game regular season uh, with a play-in tournament. And the bottom line is 75% of the GMs prefer a play-in tournament over the World Cup style. So they're not going to do a 20-team group stage play-in World Cup, 22 teams with games to determine seeding play-in tournament for final seeds. That might be, uh, that might be the one that I think gets in. 16 teams directly, that doesn't sound like that's going to go over uh, because all the teams – uh, that are close, they're not going to get in, and then they're not going to want to play any games. They're not going to want to play. This is like the Dame Lillard effect, right? Like if if we're not getting in, I'm not playing. So there's got to be something in it for the players. So I think the only solution whatsoever is clearly uh, it's clearly the 75% play-in tournament over the World Cup style. They're going to do a play-in, and that's all there is to it. And then that makes everybody happy, and they have something to play for. No, absolutely, and that's part of the problem. You've heard these guys complain about is, you know, why are we going to show up if there's nothing for us to do? And that's the Curry thing we talked about and Dame Lillard and all these guys. So uh, it doesn't sound like they have a good enough reason to get all 30 teams involved. Uh, I think that 16 or 22, Scotty, is going to be the best answer possible. 
right, so uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to hand it off to Carver High. He's going to give you an update. I'm going to go slice my wrists with a razor. How's that sound for a plan? All right, thank you, Scotty Carver High here with a Sports Grid update. The NBA Board of Governors met with Commissioner Adam Silver on a conference call today. We were just talking about it. Plenty of things discussed, including four scenarios the league is mulling over. 16 teams and going directly to the playoffs. A 20-team scenario with a group stage play, kind of World Cup style that's been thrown around. 22 teams with games to determine seeding and a play-in tournament for the final seeds. And then a 30-team scenario with a completion of a 72-game regular season and a play-in tournament. Adam Silver also said on the call that July 31st is the target start date as of right now. According to a survey of GMs, most prefer going straight to the traditional playoff format. The UFC is back in Vegas tomorrow night at their Apex Center. Fight night weigh-ins took place today. Only Brock Weaver, who is scheduled to fight Roosevelt Roberts, missed weight. Roberts is a minus 330 favorite in that fight over Weaver. Highlights tomorrow night include Casey Kenny, a minus 270 favorite over Louis Smoka. Chris Gutierrez, minus 112 over Vince Morales. And the main event, Tyrone Woodley, a minus 184 favorite over Gilbert Burns. David Price has yet to throw a pitch for the L.A. Dodgers, but he has already made an impact in the organization. The L.A. of the all-star left-hander will give each minor league player who is not on the Dodgers 40-man roster $1,000 for the month of June. The act of generosity will impact just over 200 players in the organization. Minor league baseball is unlikely to take place in 2020 and upwards of a thousand minor league players couldn't end up getting released over the next few days most of those cuts would have taken place at the end of spring training had the pandemic not shut down sports in the middle of march nascar last night chase elliott wins the asco uniform 600 in charlotte after being pushed back a day by rain they are back at it on sunday nascar keeps cranking them out they will be at bristol motor speedway the food city 500 Brad Keselowski has the pole. Kyle Busch is the favorite right now at FanDuel, plus 350. Scotty's boy, Marty Truex Jr., plus 700. Uh, Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick, plus 800. And last night's winner, Chase Elliott, at plus 850. The Bundesliga is already running. Plenty of action for them this weekend. The Premier League and Serie A have plans. And now, Scotty's other favorite league in Europe, La Liga is ready to roll as well. They will start back up on June 11th. Roger Federer is officially the top paid athlete over the last 12 months. According to Forbes, the tennis legend took in $106.3 million last year. I'm Carter High with a Sports Grid update. Want the edge? Get on the grid. All right, uh, Carver High, good stuff. Uh, back on Coast to Coast and our radio affiliates on SB Nation and Sports Byline across the country, everywhere, top to bottom, east to west, north and south. So uh, we have uh, Mike Vaccaro now with us from the New York Post. There he is. Oh, my God. It was like pulling teeth trying to get you in here. I was saying uh, over and over, uh, it's been a minute, Mike, and uh, I didn't forget about you because you're an institution in New York. How many years do you have in the bag now, right? New York sports? Not too many, Scott. Um, 
18 and counting uh, and uh, enjoyed every minute of it. So, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. I've been able to do the job I ever wanted to do my entire life for, for a good long time already. So, yeah, it's. It's interesting. You wrote about uh, today. I loved your column uh, and always have. Uh, I thought today was interesting when you were talking about even the, you know, newspaper business, how uh, strikes and the like have have shrunk from 10 to three and how many people believe it's hanging by a thread as it is uh, that the business has changed so much. I know that uh, you wrote about, you know, uh, baseball strikes, hockey, labor wars. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's, uh, you know, hospitals, whether it's cops, whether it's anything at all. And uh, whenever there's strikes, there's problems. And whenever there's labor uh, problems, there's issues like this. You wrote about it today with baseball. They got one on their hands right now, don't they? Yeah, they really do. It's unfortunate because really the the one thing I think we should be discussing when it comes to these leagues coming back is making sure everything is safe. But it almost seems like, at least with baseball now, I mean, that part's secondary because the, the, uh, the real argument now is about compensation. And look, I get that. Nobody wants to work for free. The owners have their complaints. But the problem is it's a conversation that nobody really wants to hear. I mean, it's just the way it is at a time when there's 40 million people out of work and over 100,000 people who've died and no one wants to hear about this raging debate between millionaires and billionaires. It's just terrible timing. And that has to stop. I mean, it just does. I mean, I, I get it. It's more complicated than that. But baseball is really looking at some long-term issues if they can't resolve a way to get on the field, assuming it's safe enough for them to play. You know, I've actually uh, talked with baseball people about this recently on this show about Rob Manfred, and you wrote about it today, how he's been scrambling to come up with ideas, frankly, not only with this uh, problem on his desk, which is gigantic, but he's got bigger fish to fry even uh, than that uh, of a sport that's been losing interest. You wrote about it that, uh, you know, what kids are into now, soccer, lacrosse, basketball, nobody's playing in baseball fans are bored to death with it uh except for old men and uh and you know what i mean do you think that he's uh in over his head in this job because i know everyone blames commissioners for everything do you think this guy's in over his head too early to say that but i'm i haven't been terribly impressed by a lot of his ideas to be quite honest um some of them seem a little weird to me but look i get it the one thing that baseball always had for years and years was participation. People played it. People played it when they were kids, and so they became fans when they were older. Even after they grew to play other sports, lacrosse, soccer, what have you, there was no professional lacrosse league, so to speak, or really a, a viable soccer league. So those, those athletes turned back to baseball. These are years, we're talking about years and years now. But now you're talking about a sport where there are other – a landscape where there are other options. I mean, people – watch the Premier League. I mean, they watch other things on TV besides baseball, and that's become part of what their habit is. Baseball used to be a birthright, and it's not anywhere close to that anymore, and it's having a difficult time adjusting to this new order where they have to fight for attention with everybody else. You wrote about it being uh, hyper-local, where uh, people are into it in New York, obviously, uh, and they always have been, and I think 
My guess is they probably always will be. But on a national scale, how do you feel about that? Is that kind of what you're saying, that it's a, a local thing anymore and not so much a, a thing that's uh, grabbed the national you know, scope of fans? Well, just all you got to do is look at TV ratings. You know, I, I, I don't like to think of those as the end-all and be-all, but they do offer a reflection of what the reality is for baseball and that, I mean, their ratings haven't been anywhere in the ballpark of footballs for decades now. But even basketball is more popular on a national level. They have more national icons. Everyone knows who LeBron James is. They can, everybody can pick him out of a photo array. I don't think they can do the same thing for Mike Trout or for Garrett Cole. That's just the way baseball is. Baseball is incredibly popular in the, 30, the 32 cities where, 30 cities where it exists. It's somewhat popular other places, but it's nowhere near the drumbeat of popularity that football or basketball is. And they've had a hard time adjusting to that. I mean, look, I mean, you walk into a ballpark in New York in the middle of August in normal times, and no matter which park you're talking about, you're probably going to have 45,000 people there. that be loud, raucous. It's a baseball town. But it's not a baseball nation anymore. I mean, it's it's got pockets of baseball popularity, but on the overall, it really suffers for a lack of attention. And I think that you know that that's one of the things that Manfred has tried to do in his early hours as commissioner, to varying degrees of success. So I get what he's trying to do with these you know kind of oddball creations of his and his ideas and his thoughts. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how it's put into practice. And of course, it's really going to be interesting to see. What happens if they want to take in a powder for a year and a half? Mike Vaccaro with us, the New York Post on Coast to Coast. Do you think that um, that they? This is something to me that over the years we, you and I, have seen all these uh, strikes and and uh, labor problems in sports, and I think you know at some capacity they both play the media like a fiddle they love to drag their arguments and their laundry into the media and the public eye where the owners uh make the players look bad and then the players uh make the owners look bad and vice versa and then uh they try to make people pick a side and what they've done is they've always done this they have always brought their bs to us and we sit and chew it up like animals and i think it is the dullest and it's the most aggravating thing it's like you said before mike no one wants to hear about you know millionaires having money problems over billions of dollars when no one else can feed their families is there anything worse than the way they play this out on the public no it's not and and look it's worse in baseball than any other sport because baseball has the strongest union you know football players when they went on strike the last time I mean, they basically flocked across the picket line after a couple of weeks. Basketball players have, have really have, have always caved uh, when David Stern was the commissioner. I mean, they always caved at the 11th hour and basically agreed to whatever he wanted. Uh, baseball players are different. I mean, the union in baseball is something that's passed along generation to generation. It's not an interesting story for guys like you and me. It's not an interesting story for baseball fans, but it is something that baseball players hold dear. Uh, modern players understand that the reason why they make the salaries they do is because of sacrifices that older players made in the 60s and 70s. And they kind of feel compelled to uphold that. And owners have never understood that there is a hard line there. And so it mean, what this means is that unlike other sports where owners really do have a cudgel, they don't have that in baseball. They've lost time after time after time. And it always is the same story. And it always winds up costing games or at the very least winds up costing goodwill. And, uh, I mean, 
and we're talking about the last major baseball strike being almost a quarter of a century, more than a quarter of a century ago, which is a different world. It was a world before you could look at, at soccer games from, from England uh, and watch that regularly. It's, 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 a, it's a world before the Internet. It's a world before all the stuff that's available now. And, Scott, as I wrote today, if there's one thing we've learned the last three months, it's how to otherwise occupy our time, whatever right. that is. And baseball's not just going to slither back in a year's time if they can't figure this out. It's not going to be forgiven that easily this time. I really believe in that. I think you're right, Mike, and that's it's really uh, smart on your part. Uh, listen, uh, I think, and it couldn't be more uh, truthful when you think about it. It's like I've hated not having sports for the last whatever, let's just say hypothetically, two and a half months, right? But I have lived my life and, and dealt with life as it as it comes to me, and I'm okay. I have not jumped off a roof because I haven't watched five million sporting events, and the stuff that I've been watching, documentaries, old games, everything else, has uh, satisfied my appetite. I wish it was live. It's not. you got to deal with it. Let me ask you this. Do you, and I want to carry you over as well after this break because I, I wanted to have you on before, and, and it didn't happen, so I still have a lot I want to ask you about. Um, let me ask you. I have two minutes for respectfully here when you think of like donald fear and the guys gene upshaw and the and the like that you, you know that ilk that you've seen over the years handle labor turmoil which one do you think stands out the most in terms of being uh really good at this is it fear who is the guy that you think is the best at it well the guys you mentioned it's fear but i'm going to say it's fear because he learned from the master who was marvin miller and it's kind of ironic that Miller was going to go in the Hall of Fame this summer, and it would be very. And obviously, he's not now because that ceremony has been called off. And Miller was the guy who, in the in the beginning, formed this bond that baseball players had. That wasn't easy to do, you know, because you know baseball players had been talking about unionizing for for, for decades, and he was the one who got it done. And it's it's really his Foley mantra that Donald Fear inherited, and together they were both undefeated. And so I guess, you know, of, of the modern guys, I would say Fear is, even though he's an incredibly unlikable guy in front of television cameras. Miller was different. I, mean, I loved talking to Marvin Miller back in the day because, you know, I, know, I think I probably went into all of this when I was a young reporter, uh, not really understanding the player's point of this. And he would take you aside for 20 minutes and explain it to a way that all of a sudden made perfect sense. Didn't necessarily mean he was arguing necessarily to change your mind. He just wanted to tell you, why the players were asking and demanding what they were asking and demanding. So I think he was really the master. I think everybody else in all the sports are kind of trying to figure out how to channel him a little bit. Because not only was he able to get what he wanted, but he was able to keep players unified. And that's the hardest thing to do when they start missing out on patrons. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's it's uh, fascinating to me that Fear's doing the hockey now. Uh, he's managed to manipulate that league now. It's crazy. We'll come back with Mike Vaccaro on Coast to Coast. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 
Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. For all with you on uh, Coast to Coast, we're talking to the uh, great columnist from the New York Post, Mike Vaccaro. Hey, Mike, so I really appreciate you coming on today. You wrote a lot uh, of, uh, and you always uh, write great columns, and, and uh, I was seeing you were writing about uh, Cashman, and, you know, we've we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, Jeter on this show and what he's doing down in, you know, South Florida and what he was like, uh, even as a Yankee, uh, dealing with him. I, I just would love to hear you express to fans across America, like what he was like. And Cashman as well. You wrote about him. He has been in charge forever. He's done a great job. People can't even argue with that. But can you tell people what it was like being around this guy? Because now, uh, I don't know. For us on this show, we've talked a lot about how he comes across as he just comes across kind of as a D. Uh, and people don't like him, and they're just like, what has happened to this guy? But he was really that way all along. He never gave you anything uh, as, a, uh, as a fan or as a media guy. What did you think of him trying to cover him and write stories about him and how he was just uh, – people have compared him to Brady, never gives you anything, just a lot of fluff and nonsense. Yeah, he was forever aloof, and he was never going to uh, give you the real you – know, his opinion on much – uh, he was a professional. I mean, he showed up at his locker every single day. He answered questions until the last question was asked. And that was win or lose. That was winning streaks, losing streaks. It was after losing tough games in the playoffs, after winning championships in the playoffs. He was there. He was available. He understood uh, the relationship that the writers had with the players, but he was also very smart. Look, I, the one thing I always said about Jeter is that, is that you, weren't, you, you not only weren't ever going to see him stuck on page one, like his friend Alex Rodriguez more than one occasion. But you're never going to even see him on page six, which is saying something, given what his social life was like when he was a single man. Um, but he was he was incredibly, uh, he, he understood who he was, what his part in the Yankees were. And you know, one of the great things about him is that he was perfectly willing to let his play speak for itself. And, you know, when you have over 3,400 base hits like he does, when you're in a part of five World Series champions like he does, when you have, you know, seven or eight absolutely iconic moments like he does, it's easier to let those speak for you as opposed to telling anybody anything else beyond what you want to know. And, uh, look, I mean, you were never going to have a deep, a deep uh, heartfelt conversation with him. That just was never going to be his way. But, uh, you know, he was... You know, in terms of writing about him, the compelling part wasn't his personality as it was his play. And 
I know there are a lot of people who think he was overrated. They talk about this. They talk about that. I get that. Those are fair arguments. You know, they are. Uh, I, I'll certainly listen to them. I also know that uh, he was one of the first players where I saw the entirety of his career, from first at bat to last. And so I can tell you that when you, he's one of the, you, know, you talk about players you appreciate more when you see them every day. He was a guy that you appreciated when you saw him every day just because he was professional every day, every at bat, every ground ball. And that was reflected in his personality. He was not flashy. He was never going to fill your notebook. But he was going to, the same way he did everything he needed to do to win the game, he would give you whatever you needed to be able to fill out your story. You know, that guy, uh, people can say, you said all these people can say whatever they want about him, and what they are is they're wrong. <laughs> they're wrong. When they talk about him not being great, they're wrong is what they are. Now, you have, uh, and I, I just want to tail it off with this. He's down there in Miami. Uh, my bet would be that you would guess that he'll end up being successful in some capacity or another down there, even though people make fun of that team. Uh, they don't have any fans. They, they don't have this. They don't have that. But from what I've heard from, like, Joe Ranieri and others down there uh, that I talk to on a regular basis, that he's building something by behind the scenes that people are going to get hit up in the head with soon. They got a lot of talent in the system. They got a lot of picks. They made a lot of, uh, you know, sick moves to get where they are today. And people give him no uh, respect because they're like, you know, he's, he's just so unapproachable and everything else. I, I, I want to know, do you think he'll be successful down there? And do you uh, like, because I know you wrote about Mike Piazza and I'm friends with Mike. Uh, you, you have to like talking to Mike Piazza better than talking to Derek Jeter because Mike's a lot cooler than Derek. I'll answer the last part first. Uh, Piazza and I had a lot of fun conversations through the years about music, about movies, about <laughs> right. everything. Uh, he was he was just he, like I mean pe people's personalities different. Look, Piazza didn't go out of his way to court that kind of publicity either. I think he was just more comfortable around certain people than than, than Jeter was. And, and look, I mean as 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 Enormously popular as Piazza was, he never, never was quite what Jeter was. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's just so, so, but, but yes, you're right. Piazza was a lot more enjoyable guy to talk to. Do I think Jeter's going to be successful for it? I do for this reason. I think that the more, you know, we, we already know that the sport is moving away from what its traditional model has been, and it's hyper young. Um, if you can acquire lots of young talent and be competitive with your young talent, that's going to trump. The, uh, the teams that are built with you know, free agency and high payrolls, uh, more and more we're realizing that it's a young man's game. We're realizing the way that, say, the Yankees and the Red Sox have built things over time, while successful to a degree, you know, ultimately wind up backfiring because you get hamstrung with these impossible contracts. And for most teams other than the Yankees, that destroys you for a year or two years or more. I think, with the, I think the only way the Marlins are winning is if they're able to do what the Royals essentially did when, when they developed those two great teams in 2014 and 2015, which is to make sure you, you're right about a lot of your young players, hope they develop at the same time, right. they're your core, and then you add on to make sure you can win with what you got. And I think that that's what he's hoping to position himself to do with, with the Marlins. I mean, yes, I mean, it's, tar it's tough to watch now, and it's... It might always be tough there because I'm just not sure how much of a baseball market it is because there's so many transient fans there. You know, even the baseball fans who live in South Florida, so many of them, uh, their first route is somebody else, whether it's the Yankees, the Mets, the Phillies, going on. 
And so that might make it more difficult for him, but I do think that the blueprint he's creating is the one that he'll be able to win with if it ever gets to that point. Mike, do you think that Leon Rose will do well uh, with what he's doing in the front office with the Knicks, his, his vision and the future? Do you feel like it's going to be Thibodeau, and do you think Rose will uh, get this right? I've been watching them lose for as long as you've been writing in New York. For 20-plus years, I've been watching them just be terrible. I've had about enough of it because I like the Knicks, and it's just driving me nuts. Do you think that this guy can actually do this? Were you surprised that they hired him? Scott, you and me are probably two of the only guys old enough to remember this fact, which I tell uh, some younger writers every now and again. They don't believe me, but, you know, not so long ago, baseball, as much of a baseball town as New York is, baseball season didn't begin officially until the day after the Knicks were eliminated. And we're talking about years when the Yankees were defending champions, and that was the case, 96, 97, 98. Well, that's how popular the Knicks are. That's how much the Knicks mean to sports fans in the city. And that's how incredible it is that it's been so long since they've been even remotely competitive. You know, with one exception in 2013, they've been a, an absolute Sahara since 2000. Since 2000. <laughs> um, I, was, I, 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 was, I was actually impressed that they thought outside the box with Leon Rose. I, I'm impressed with Leon Rose in terms of what he's done with his career, how he was able to establish himself, how he was able to to establish something of a, of a, of a market dominance uh, as an outsider. And I think that that, that, that tells you uh, what kind of a personality he has. It's the kind of personality, I think, that will allow them to develop something real in New York. But I also think that he's a guy, look, with everything else, I mean, you have to establish yourself first, and that's what attracts people. You know, it took, uh, it took the Nets establishing a little success across the river and that's all it took, and all of a sudden they were a magnet. All of a sudden it wasn't so outlandish that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving won't want to go play there because Mark's built something there. And it's, so, so when you see that, it's not so outlandish to think that Leon Rose could do it. I do think that the coaching hire, the decision he makes, is critical. I think he's got three guys that could give the same element they really need, which is gravitas. I think Thibodeau is clearly the guy who has the most of it because he's got the most success in, in the most recent amount of time. I think Van Gundy is a guy that would still be a, a worthwhile candidate. He would also bring some gravitas. And I think Kenny Atkins would bring the same because he was associated with what they were doing. And those are all three guys who would come established. I just think the Knicks are past the point where they can hire guys like Jeff Hornacek or uh, David Fisdale or anybody like that. Oh, Knicks, oh God. This is the job. That was so bad. It's supposed, to, it's supposed to lure someone like Pat Riley. It's supposed to lure someone like Don Nelson. I mean, now that they they achieve different levels of success, obviously as Knicks coach, but that's the kind of job this is, and certainly in this time in history, that's the kind of coach I believe they require. So let me ask you this question. Uh, I just have a few minutes left. Uh, do you feel uh, that, that that you know Mara has started like losing it? Uh, I, I mean, honestly, like I have to tell you, like I used to think he was really smart, and then uh, what I've seen uh, over the last several years with these hires, I got to be honest with you, the McAdoo that was embarrassing. I don't care what anybody says. Shermer, it was like uh, it was like a bad day at the office and then uh and, and now they hire this guy no one's ever heard of I, i'm starting to wonder because i thought coughlin you know he won two super bowls i don't give mara the credit for that i give coughlin the credit for that and they missed that guy badly i'm starting to think that owner's uh not so smart i mean obviously he's made billions he's he's not dumb but when it comes to football matters i'm starting to question him 
Yeah, his recent uh, track record is not good. Um, I think, I, I, and look, I mean, the interesting part is that McAdoo actually had some early success, in, you know, notwithstanding that suit he wore in his introductory press conference. <laughs> <laughs> But they had some early speed under him, but then he became a complete fiasco. And, you know, I, I think the jury is still out on the general manager. He's hired Dave Gettleman, who was, you know, kind of put himself out there in terms of, you know, being the smartest guy in the room. And that works when you're actually the smartest guy in the room. If you're something less than that, it's going to blow up on you. I still, I mean, like, I, I like John Mara. John Mara. The thing about John Mara that, that, that I think Giants fans understand, even through their frustrations, and he's one of them. I've never met another owner who was more invested as a fan in their team as John Mara. Um, I, I've witnessed him as a fan in press boxes when things go well and when things go poorly. He is every bit the fan that, 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 that the guy wearing the Lawrence Taylor jersey, you know, in the bar on Route 17 is. So I'm not saying that necessarily gives him a pass for making bad choices. But I will say that unlike other owners that I think you might wonder what their uh, other motivations are, all he cares about is making the Giants winners. That's the only thing in his life that matters besides his family. Um, the problem is, I mean, you know, sometimes he makes good choices, sometimes he makes bad ones. Uh, he wasn't the one who hired Tom Coughlin. Uh, he wasn't the one who had hired Ernie Accorsi. He was the guy who kind of put the championship teams together. Uh, the guys that he's hired subsequently have been lacking. And, uh, it's, you know, it's funny because his father, uh, as beloved as he was toward the end, his father was one of those vilified owners in the history of New York sports. A lot of right. people would not believe that, but... You know, for one thing, he was essentially the general manager in addition to the order when they went 18 years without going to the playoffs. Then they moved to Jersey, so that angered a lot of their, their, their core fans. And yet, what happened was they were so terrible for so long that ultimately they were guilted into hiring George Young. And that's what it takes. Now, if Dave Gettleman is John Mara's George Young, then John Mara is going to look a lot smarter five years from now because that means. Yeah, listen. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, Dave Gettleman is uh, George Young's toenails. Okay, thank you very much. Listen, Mike, you're incredible. I love your work. Uh, I've always enjoyed reading your stuff. I haven't had you on the show in a long time. I, I was trying to remember uh, with Mafia. I think it was when I was at Howard Stern the last time I had you on. But uh, great stuff as usual. Great column today. I say, you know what? we got to get Mike on the show. Thanks so much for coming on Coast to Coast. We'll catch up with you throughout the season. Scott, hopefully we'll be able to see your lifetime fitness soon enough. I've seen you there a couple of times also. That's what I'm talking about, Mike. You're the man, brother. I love you. All right, it's coasting. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.
I have no idea how Mafia got over to my house so quickly, but uh, he came up into the penthouse and took all my razor blades from me and then ran out the door like he was Superman or something. The guy was in and out like the wind. And I was like, how did this guy get here so quickly to save me from offing myself after I was uh, unable to get Mike on. Thank God for Joe Ranieri. Joe got uh, Mike on the show. Uh, and at one point he told me he was the size of an Oompa Loompa. I just wanted to say that on the show. It's time for the fan question. <laughs> James in Seattle writes, Hey, Pharrell, which fan base has been tortured the most the last 20 years, the Knicks, Browns, or Mariners? Uh, I don't really know any other way to say this other than they all suck, and uh, they all just suffered. I wanted to use a hairdryer uh, phrase there. Uh, that's how bad they all are. I have to tell you, uh, there's no way, in my view, now, I, I don't think anyone cares about them. Mariners. So I think the Browns have actually perhaps suffered the most of anything I've ever seen because their titles are in the 50s and NFL titles, not Super Bowls. Uh, that's how long they've suffered. And then we've seen the Knicks uh, win in you know the 70s and play in the finals in the 90s and make the playoffs in the 2013 season like Mike uh, Vaccaro was talking about. So they've had success and they've had championships and they've won uh, rings and banners. So, I mean, that's better than the 50s. So I'd have to say the Browns, Carver. Hi, what do you think? Yeah, I think that you could extend this thing to the last 50 years if you wanted to, and it would probably still be the Browns, right? <laughs> I mean, they're right. probably the leader in the clubhouse. Seattle, you're right, with the Mariners, like, it's just it, it doesn't resonate very well with everybody else in the country. Obviously, in Seattle, they're going to say they're the most tortured, but, man, it has been a, they haven't even been in the mix in 20 years, Sky. They haven't even been close since that 2001 season. Yeah, they. Uh, I don't even think they matter to the people in Seattle, to be honest with you. I don't think they care. They'd rather eat fish. Line up, ladies! The early line. Yeah, it's cool to put some fighters in an octagon, or it's cool to get the jockeys out there riding the ponies, right? Mm. But what we're talking about are the major team sports. And last week, a big story was the idea of Major League Baseball and the kind of details of their return. What I think is interesting, though, is now that kind of Blake Snell came out and said that, right? Mm -hmm. He's also given cover to kind of other players who may feel the same way. The Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.